0: Welcome to Talking In Stations. I am Madderall here with uh, Ash Drothy. How are you doing, Ash?
1: Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashtarothy, and uh, I've had a pretty darn good uh, week last couple of days. I did uh, three hours of stream so far today and uh, getting through the holidays. And it looks like, you know, knock on wood, I might actually make it through the year. So <laughs> looking good for me. How about you? Good. Definitely looking
0: good in that sweater.
1: Yeah, I love, man, this is the best. It says, I drink and I know things. We decided it was, it's, I, there was no other sweater, ugly Christmas sweater for me this year.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's awesome. All right, today is December 29th. We're nearing the end of the year. We've got uh, the holidays uh, behind us now. And oh my God, there's been a ton of activity today on all levels. So we're going to get into it with you guys now and uh, get you up uh, to date on the news some of the preview, some of the stuff that we're going to preview today are uh, some Keepstar Star attacks that happened both on both sides. So Pappy attacked some Keep Stars, and Imperium attacked one too. Um, off off the war path, we have uh, Triumvirate and Dark Side uh, fighting it out. I think Dark Side of the Eclipse. There's a massive faction war news break that just came out. Uh, we'll talk about that. Galmill, looking like it's fallen apart, and then we have Trigger Happy disbanding a little bit later in the program. Lots of stuff going on, but first I do want to catch up with you Ash Rothy. What have you been up to? Tell us about your stream. Oh, before you do that, Gregorian's with us too. Sorry. Hi. Sorry, Gregorian. Oh.
2: How's it going? <laughs> All
0: right. Um Ash, tell us about your stream.
1: Yeah, uh well, we've been playing around with the winter events. Um I'm a really really big fan of this event. Um so we yeeted out into Losec once again today. Uh, I in the Ikitursa you can see behind me. Uh, and then we had a few more uh, battlecruisers and whatnot. We actually went out once and got quickly kind of chased down by a couple battleships that ended up getting one of our myrmidons. But uh, then we retooled, <coughs> came oh. back into it, and went back into Losec again. But last night was the really good one because we Wait, wait, wait. We, as Merms, soon
0: as we... Merms are really slow, right? I guess a slow ship. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we had, uh, well, they were caught, he was caught by a Praxis and a, and a, uh, a Maelstrom, I think it was. It's, it's, it is insane what's going on out there right now, I'm telling you, uh, because, like I said, you can just yeet out into, into these low sex systems, and so you find all kinds of crazy stuff out there. In fact, last night, uh, we jumped out with, I think, six people. And as soon as we landed, I started seeing that there's a bunch of open sites. So I started d-scanning them all at five degrees, like I used to when in plexes. Why five degrees? So if you set your d-scan to five degrees, uh, directional. And hold, this yeah. is your
0: directional scanner. For those that don't know, on your ship.
1: Correct. So your directional scanner has a range uh, setting and a cone width setting, and that cone width is based on the center of your screen. So if you set your cone width to, to five degrees and your range to maximum. And then you hold down the D-Scan button. You can click on multiple celestials in space on your overview, and your camera will snap to them one by one, and you'll instantly D-scan those locations, giving you every ship at that location, assuming it's in range. Other than force recon ships, so like curses and stuff like that. Everything oh. else, as long as they're decloaked, you'll be able to see it on the D-Scan. So, I jump in. Uh, Check, start checking the other sites and immediately find a Praxis in a site. Warp our fleet on top of them and kill a 200 million is Praxis within like five minutes of the, of, of the event starting. And then from there, we continue to make about 100 million isk an hour each uh, for about an hour or two last night and then again today. Uh, so it's incredibly rewarding. It's one of those things that like if you try to do it solo, it's kind of a pain. Uh, but as soon as you start having at least three or four people to go do it with, it ends up being really, really fun and uh, not very difficult to make, to execute.
0: Yeah, Gregor, you were going to squeeze in there. What were you going
2: to say? I was going to point out that Curses are combat recons, not Force recons. Force recons are the ones that Cloak and Light Zinos.
0: Okay, so so some of those are immune to being scanned down or descanned, right?
1: Correct. One of the recons are allowed to have Covops cloaks, and the other recon simply does not appear on directional scan ever. It doesn't require a module or anything. Yeah,
0: I remember that was controversial when it came out because they're like, "This doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that?" Uh, it, it was a change I
1: was really unhappy with, to be yeah. honest, to be frank. But yeah. I, I mean, we've gotten used to it.
0: Well, that that tight cone maneuver that you do, right? You, five degrees <laughs> only means you have a tight beam, so you're not getting extra stuff. And then you're pointing at different celestials that you're clicking on the map. And so what you're doing is combing through the system in the likely areas where people are. So you're getting two things. One is who's in system and also where they are, as opposed to putting right. 180 degrees and blasting your radar out to see like 10 or 15 things show up, but you don't know exactly where they are.
1: Yeah. If I want to know, know just what's in the system, then I'll go to 360 degrees max, speed, max range and go. But that'll probably have a lot of noise to it. Um, if I'm specifically, especially if I'm trying to kill somebody, right? When you first get into a system, you are now on the clock, right? Because as soon as that person notices that something is going wrong, he's going to be GTFOing. Yeah. And hopefully they're in the middle of a fight, which means that they're scrammed. So But either way, I don't have very much time. So as soon as we jump in, I need to identify which, if any, uh, sites are currently occupied. And if one of them is occupied by something that we can get, I need to get us on top of it as soon as possible. So, it uh, worked. yep. Mm-hmm. What, was the pra- what was the
0: Praxis doing?
1: Uh, Well, it was just running the site. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Okay, let me pull up the killmail. All right, send it let over. Let me scroll past all my my rewards. Rewar-
0: <laughs> OK, but you as a group, uh, you and your group, are making pretty good money doing this stuff,
1: right? This event. Yeah. So, CCP Fozzie actually said that they specifically made this event, like, events are designed to be rewarded, Um, you know, in the same way that like afk ratting is something that they've been going after because they want to go after low activity or low you know engagement gameplay they want to reward high engagement gameplay and so doing these event sites especially in the more dangerous areas has been very le- lucrative this whole year but given the fact that it's christmas and they wanted to kind of celebrate and be have everybody feel good about things ccp fazi said that they actually put the loot on the upper end of things um and the other thing that's noteworthy is, especially in the last several events, they've started putting the majority of the event loot in the form of overseer's effects, which are purchased by Concord on NPC buy orders. So this isn't something like it used to be that like on day one, if you got the cool drop, then you could rush it off to sale and, you know, get billions. Make but, billions. you know, after day. Exactly. But after day one or two, the, the the market collapses and people really don't know how to move this stuff. And I even complained about it before where it's like I have to pay out to people, but I don't really know. I have a good way to liquidate this stuff. Having the majority of the value be in in overseer's effects, with jackpots being in the form of implants and skins and stuff, uh, I think works a lot better when it comes to just making sure that uh, it feels valuable to people. So how's that working?
0: That that means you're constantly getting at least a certain level of reward that you can hand out because you know what the price is on that stuff when you sell it.
1: Right. So for instance, uh, two or three sites in a row today, we got uh, upwards of 120 million per site. Um, and, and that's simply in the overseer's effects. If you get a 22, uh, t- 22 grade overseer effect, that's 120 million. And they, uh, we actually, I know somebody who got one of those. You can get them in high sec too. They're extremely much less common. Uh, high sec sites, combat offers roughly four to ten million isk per site on average, with spikes of like 30 to 40. Um, but like you can still get those really big jackpots anywhere. And, th- and the best sites are in low sec. And they're not much harder than normal sites, so it's not like you have to be like tanked that much better. It's just they're a little bit longer, and uh, and obviously you're in low sec, so you're at risk when you do it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: uh, scanning and exploration sites, and I've gotten up up to seventeenth grade overseers.
1: Yes, uh, the uh, the scanning. So that's the other thing that you not only have combat sites, there's also hacking. And uh, mining sites, and if you do those, um, like them, they're actually pretty lucrative as well. Uh, mining is probably not as lucrative as like combat, but it's definitely functional because you mine the ice and then you turn it in, and then you get these prize boxes, and the prize boxes have the overseer's effects and the skins and all that kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> you know, as far as AFK goes, it will get you some money. Um, again, if you do it in low sec, uh, it's it, you'll make a lot of money, and it's actually really interesting because only mining ships can, and industrial ships can get into those sites, so you have a certain amount of protection. So if you really want to be ballsy and go out with an endurance, you can actually make a ton of money right now in these sites. Yeah, but, one
2: of my corp mates has brought all of his alts and procurers and fought everyone else off with his ball of drones.
1: Yes, yes, that's another good one. Um, but and then the data sites, the data sites are a little bit less of a payout, but the reason why is because they seem to spawn in clusters and they only have one hack point each so the point of these is that they're supposed to be hard to to scan down but that's the majority of the activity once you've scanned it down you just kind of show up and hack it so but you're expected to kind of have to be scanning these down like fast like as i was warping to one i'm scanning down the next and if you do it at that rate then it's pretty good isk if you're just worried about the price of one can then it's probably about a third of the value of doing combat sites at the same time
0: Wild, Well, Good job. And it's nice to remind everyone that there's still time to get out there. This all ends January 5th. Uh, but you still have correct. Days.
1: Yeah, and uh, also there's login rewards. Um, and also there's uh, daily tasks. And some of those daily tasks will give you um, the filaments required to do it. So once you get one of those filaments here, let me pull some up. Uh, see, this is my loot from today, 652 million <laughs> estimated. Nice. Um, we're stuck in. I'm stuck in solitude right now. That's which is unfortunate. But well, yeah. so these 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 filaments are super cheap right now. Um, even though, and they drop pretty frequently. And they come in five, one, five, and ten man. And you also get these in the sites. And they either go to low sec, high sec, or null sec. And so if your guys, if you bring a ten man high sec with you, uh, then when you're done, you just bring everybody home. And sure, there's a one in six chance that you end up in solitude. But that dems the breaks, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, uh,
0: solitude special because it's a bit of an island, so right. you could get stuck out there. You'd have to cross through Nullsec just to get back,
1: which made me realize that this is really a good sign that CCP was super mean about this yeah. because yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, the metaliminal storms have to travel one they dr- travel one jump at a time, but they have to travel only within areas that are like allowed for them. And the Highsec storm is stuck in Highsec. Which means the storm that's in solitude will never leave solitude at all, period, during the entire winter event. There will always be a metaliminal winter storm in solitude. And therefore, there will always be a chance that if you use a sec filament, you will end up in solitude. Well, until I, the 5th, but yeah.
2: Yeah, well... I like this. I, I wish the sec islands had more uh, reasons to visit there. Because I like the, those island spaces like Solitude, Placid, and Iridia.
1: Yeah. Right. Oh, is Placid also have a storm on it? Okay, so then there's uh, a couple of cases uh, Placid of
2: doesn't have a storm, it has a high sec island.
1: Right. Oh, well Spod was also saying Placid Island. So if, if Placid also has a storm, then it'll be in the same boat. But yeah, yeah. I mean like I'm sure I'm sure that they did that intentionally. Because yeah, pl- otherwise it just becomes a guaranteed way to high sec. Well use yeah, your Plac-
0: map use your map and look up uh, storms. You'll you'll be able to see if it's there.
2: I yeah, don't think Placid has a storm, but I've filamented into Blackrise next, to, right, ne- very close to Placid. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the Placid though and Iridia both are islands, but you travel through Losec to escape those islands. Solitude's a little bit different; you have to travel through Nullsec, which means you can get bubbled. That's yeah, a there's
2: easier. a path through Iridia to get to Solitude.
0: Uh, yeah, but you have to cross at some point. I thought through Nullsec, or
2: is that? Maybe Iridia no, doesn't. Yeah, that only the northern route you have to cross through Syndicate.
0: Okay, you're right. Well, Iridia is more dangerous than Syndicate sometimes. But so does Placid have it? Placid does have a little high-sec island up there
1: um, near Stack. Aridia does not. not, not now, now, we get to find out that I don't actually know where Placid is. Apparently,
0: oh, Placid's top left. Uh, it's by Syndicate. Okay. Yeah, and Black Rise.
1: Oh, there it is. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. yeah. <laughs> uh, it looks like it has a low-sec one. Oh, OK. So, yeah. But, but, but uh, there you are in Solitude. Yeah, Solitude has the heart of it in, in high-sec, which means that one isn't going to leave, as far as I know. Uh, so I like that sense and, of humor. And that, I feel like CCP Fozzie did that unintentionally. Yeah,
0: definitely has his it, markings.
1: And on day one, like when they did, when they put down the metaliminal storms, they did so in kind of cheeky places in the first place. And then these new ones, several of them were in pretty cheeky places too. So like on day one, I used a low sec filament and ended up in the New Eden system at the Eve Gate. So it's like, okay, yeah, this was a coincidence, I'm sure. Uh,
0: all right. Well, let's go to the board and see what's going on in uh, our. Well, Uh, just one last thought on that. Oh yeah, before just wrap it up. Sure. Uh, The interesting
1: thing about that is, well, one of the things that's cool about this, if we just reflected on it in two different ways, by using these filaments as part of this uh, uh, content, like getting to content, what it actually does is shows people, you know, brings people, and it gets people to engage with parts of space that they didn't even plan on like in other aspects where it's like oh well i need to go into Garistus Nullsec null sec in order to do the easter event or whatever um that's still a choice right like i may choose not to go there because i don't want to go into that system but when i use a eat filament i'm going to wherever it takes me which means by putting those things the destinations in key places ccp can subtly help like shuttle people to interesting locations or interesting situations um so that's why i mean that by it's not an accident that they put it in, new, in the new eden system because that like for the next several days people are either at the eve gate or adjacent to the eve gate um to the point where even the, with the fleet that i was with it was like hey everybody look off to, if you look off to the galactic north you can see the eve gate itself you know like nobody planned for that it was just an opportunity to uh, engage with that which i really, really enjoyed Little
0: EVE Safari. All right, can I just ad- admire how well your setup is? You can see the game behind you. That's just brilliant. Good work. OK, let's actually open up the screen and have a look at where we are with uh, news today. This in the wrong shape. And wow, to the 29th is a big, big day. Not only do we have a big weekend uh, with some announcements coming out about war bonds for the Imperium, uh, of course, we had uh, the truce between everyone, uh, at least in the um, Delve area where the war is happening. There was a Christmas truce, like the one for World War I in real life, where they play a little soccer. And uh, they even yeah, had a little- how did that work out? <laughs> they had a little soccer game. Uh, I don't know how it worked out. We were trying to get information on that yesterday, but we thought that was pretty cool. It's kind of a nonviolent mm-hmm. uh, soccer game with spaceships in the middle of a war zone, so if that doesn't take you back to 19, what, 18? Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, there was a truce between the two groups in Delve, uh, Pappy and Imperium, on the 24th and 25th. But after that, everything accelerated. And that's what we've started to see happen today. Gregorian, what, what actually happened today on the war front?
2: Uh There were... Well, this morning, uh, there was a fight over an Astrohost, which uh, Pappy successfully killed it, but bled pretty hard to kill it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's more of a win for the Imperium than for Pappy.
0: It's the opposite of what happened uh, the other day,
2: right? I guess so. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And
2: then... For those... Let me interrupt
0: you here for a second. Sorry. Just for people who didn't catch the show yesterday, we were looking at a battle report with 99.5% efficiency for Pappy after one of their, I believe it was a Rorkel, got tackled. Uh, everybody jumped in the fight and the Imperium came out really messed up. They lost... Uh,
2: Are you talking about the Titan? Yeah.
0: yeah. It wasn't Oracle it was a Titan then. Yeah. How much did the Imperium lose in that fight? That was a huge amount. Uh,
2: 20 dreads.
0: Right. And, 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 and Pappy didn't lose anything. So that was like... It looked like Pappy was in trouble, but Imperium paid a huge price. Today, the opposite happens. It looks like Imperium's in trouble, but Pappy pays a huge price. That's why I was comparing those two things.
2: Well, for that one, the Imperium jumped enough suicide dreads in. It was, they, it was clearly a one-way trip. They jumped enough to kill it without to being ISK positive. They just didn't manage to kill it.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a, a suicide squad, isn't that right, Ashtarathi? okay well
1: i mean dreads dreads are often used for that purpose right like when you when you when you send a a fleet of dreads in you're not doing it to bring them home you're doing it to kill whatever it is but you said that they failed to kill their target they didn't get right that's that's never good that's never good (laughs) so it's just a waste when you commit a dread bomb and it doesn't and it whiffs that is a painful experience because like i just said you don't send them out to make them come home
0: Alright, so that was yesterday and today where uh, I interrupted Gregorian, so carry on.
2: And today, uh Pappy reinforced uh, three keep stars, seven Sotillos, and some other things in Delve. Wow. And the Imperium, the the alliance is deployed to the east like the initiative and the Bastion reinforced a keep star, a Sotillo, and some other stuff in uh i guess it would be catch an impasse
0: that's a lot of stuff uh, looks like they're setting up for a big finale from what i've read it's a big finale but it's going to continue into january this is an escalation in tempo
2: and- yeah G- when gobbins did his town hall he said that things would get faster for january faster more aggressive i guess this is what he meant
0: yeah, that's definitely a part of that. When, If you look back at the war, there's been a certain strategy that Pappy has used, and that is uh, a rhythm that is irregular so that there is no good cadence that your uh, opponents can latch on to so that they know when to rest and when not to rest. Uh, so without that cadence... Um, so what was happening in the last, what, three or four months has been a slow, fast slow, slow, fast, slow, slow, fast, 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 slow. Like they have totally kept it irregular to keep the surprise attacks coming. And um, and that is really, it's kind of been interesting to watch. That's why we're interrupted with these giant spasms of activity. And then it seems like there's a lull and things are calm. And, and then you think something big's going to happen and nothing happens. It's just kind of, but now it seems like they're definitely in a fast, 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 fast mode. And I think we're getting near uh, the end of some of the military objectives that Pappy has wanted to to take on, right? Like they're in Delve, that was an objective, and they are really assaulting 1DQ. They're not having much success with that yet, and they may not have success with that. It was well defended before, uh, but they really are tearing up everything outside of 1DQ and the uh, Helm's Deep area in the north there, which I don't think they're that interested right. in yet.
1: Well, so what you're seeing here is a war that's not about spaceships, but about psychology, right? So this is really leading to two different things with, when it comes to this specifically. One, this is the reason why Pappy does put a structure right next to 1DQ even when they're not, <clears throat> excuse me, even when they aren't ready to attack it right this second. Because by putting that pressure on their home, that forces the Imperium to not take their eye off the ball. Um, And that relieves a lot of pressure, so that way they can go and kill all of these other places Um, And when the Imperium makes their calculations about this, those other places are now being balanced against the threat that is existing in 1DQ. So that makes it so that the Imperium are significantly less willing to defend their assets, which allows them to strike at them more effectively and quicker. And this is important because what really needs to happen is that uh, Pappy uh, and their leadership need to convince the Imperium membership that they have lost. And if they can do that, then they can cause them to defect, they can cause them to uh, no longer wish to be part of the fight and no longer defend. if If they feel and, and better yet, if they can convince the Imperium members to feel like the Imperium leadership has betrayed them or used them in some way, then that's like ultimate. So with the long goal of pop Pappy, it isn't about a one dQ keep star or anything like that. It's about making sure that the the overall, understanding and expectation is that Pappy is winning and goons are losing. And this is why uh, anytime you see you, this kind of narrative or discussion comes up, the Imperium becomes very, very protective of the idea of whether or not they're going to win. Because as long as the idea that they are still defending themselves and still on a winning track, then they can remain cohesive. They, they can keep their morale up. But if through a series of strikes and feints and exhaustion and propaganda, they can begin to cause the Imperium members to lose their will to fight, that is truly the only way that this war ever gets won by the Pappy forces. It's very
0: interesting that this weekend on the fireside chat, we actually should bring that up and maybe go through it. It is a half hour long, but if we have time, there's a lot of news today. If not, we'll do it tomorrow. That during that fireside chat, there was a lot of rhetoric about, hey, we're actually winning this war. And not only are we tougher than them, but we're actually winning this war and we're about to win uh, the entire thing. Like there was a a huge disconnect, but the disconnect might be on purpose, you know, uh, to keep morale high.
1: From the Imperium point of view, they can say that Pappy has never actually struck at the main target, and therefore the real defenses has not actually been demonstrated. However, the defenses that they've used up until this point have been more or less sufficient, proving that when it comes time to defend, they will be able to do so, and all of this other stuff is just fluff and distraction. That would be... and and. And the exp- the understanding and expectation is is that it is all fluff and distraction. All of these other structures, to the massive wealth of the Imperium, or the and the wealth that it will take to actually defend or take one DQ as an actual system, or what would be lost or transferred if it is if it does fall, is pittance compared to the actual the, the structures that are being fought over at the moment. So, if for example the Imperium did win in some decisive way that causes Pappy to stop their invasion, the I, the notion that they could just reclaim their territory as they need to and rebuild their infrastructure relatively trivially is actually not a bad argument. So they're definitely still in it. And, and if nothing else, it's like any other game, right? I They may not know what the winning path right now is, but they they know for a fact that it's not giving up. So they have to be convinced that there is a winning path if they ever see wish to seek it.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Again, this this new pace that Pappy has projected today took out, uh, actually didn't take out, but reinforced three keep stars and a slew of other stuff as well, so tos and other structures. But the Imperium st- struck back, didn't they, Gregorin?
2: Oh. Uh, yeah, the imp- S- some of the smaller alliances in the Imperium uh have deployed to harass Legacy, and I. I think this was a really good idea. I was wondering why they hadn't been doing that uh, earlier when they started doing that. So they reinforced some, a much smaller group uh, reinforced a keepstar. This S- Imperium deployment is much smaller, and they still managed to reinforce a keepstar as well as a Sotio and some smaller structures.
0: Okay, so they they're definitely doing some counter. Offensive counter timers. The question is who can win the actual timer, the final timer that dictates whether the structure wins or lives or dies. And that's been hard for Imperium to do in the East, right? Like, uh, I'm thinking about the Keep Star that was reinforced, uh, that belonged to Test and Curse. And when when it really mattered, uh, Test was able to get people there to defend it, and it was uh, defended so we haven't really seen i don't th- i don't know if we've seen them destroy important structures in legacy space yet if they have it, it it's news to me i don't know but you want to create counter timers so that you create choices if i am going to attack and delve to knock out a structure and my structure in legacy space my home space is in trouble which one do i Go to now. I have to make a choice. Whereas if you didn't do that sec- that timer, that counter timer, I wouldn't have to make a choice. I would just attack and delve.
1: Right. Exactly. So um, this is this is actually kind of the exact same concept, right? We're trying to take the enemy's eye off the ball, right? If 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 we can cut any attention that they can deviate to the secondary war zone, is attention that they're not having to deal with in delve. So if they can get their allies to run amok in, in softer areas, um, then they can either do an, uh, a disproportionate amount of damage, because it's not being defended effectively, or draw the attention of the attacking forces. Um, whether or not this is going to be effective is hard to say. This actually reminds me of, like if you've ever played any real-time strategies like StarCraft, and like your base starts getting attacked, but you don't have quite enough to deal with the attacking forces and your 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 automated defenses will deal with some of them soften them up a bit. But you know, you have some big force somewhere else and so you commit to attack their base. So you both destroy each other's base and then build a new base in the in the ruins of each other's base and then look at each other again and go, I'm still gonna kill you. Yeah. So we'll we'll see whether or not this uh counterattack actually ends up uh, causing a dent. In things.
0: And th- this actually happened in EVE Online too. And it was, I think it was one of the first times we'd seen it on a large scale, but in 2018, there was huge fights that involved tons of Titans, right? Anybody who was here at the time remembers that UALX. Um, uh, what's the one in the North X 47. And there was like four or five different massive fights that were going on, but the people did say, this is like, uh, I think it was called base wars or something where people were attacking in the South and attacking in the North at the exact same time. And so everybody had to make choices. Where do we move our troops? Do we help our friends in the South or do we stay up here and defend our home in the North? And there were a lot of, uh, simultaneous timers that were being made by both groups. It was really interesting to see, but I remember them talking about that same concept back in 2018. Okay. Um, let's have a look again. So is that all the war news there? The, uh, Or is there more Gregorin?
2: Well, I'm in a fleet right now, but I don't talk about ongoing fleets.
0: So there's more going on, some more reinforcement going on.
2: There was a fight in GE TAC earlier, but that's over.
0: Okay. Was there something in Outer Ring? Because we heard that Bastion was active there.
2: That was not a war oh, related fight.
0: No, sorry, you're right. That was something else. Uh, I was looking at that's Triumvirate. That's our next story. But uh, here's the one. I did hear, though, that Bastion was active in Pure Blind, or they were wondering why they were up there in Pure Blind. Uh, this is Goonswarm Federation versus Fraternity. Um, and this happened in Aquarius. Okay, so you're on, you're on a mission. You can't really talk about that, but there is ongoing stuff. A slew of timers. Tomorrow is going to be a big day. I believe they're going to do the armor timers for everything. Uh, and those are the critical timers because once you hit final timers, uh, in some situations, final timer is really just a formality. But the armor timer is when, if you're going to put up a fight, that's usually when you put up a fight. Yeah, I'll put so, that-
1: so since we can't discuss active, uh, ongoing intel, uh, why don't we just ask this question? If someone is hearing all of this and going, oh, wow, it's getting exciting. How do I get involved? H- how how would they get involved for both sides?
2: Well, they, I'd say,
1: not that I'm
2: biased at all or anything, but the e- easiest uh, and fastest way to get involved would be to apply in-game to Pandemic Horde. Well,
0: and on the other side, there's Karma Fleet, but I think, and I'm not sure about this.
2: Most of the Imperium corporations have uh, tightened recruitment in order to keep out the low-effort spies.
0: Or doesn't bother.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. I think that it's, it's a little harder to get into Karma Fleet now than it was during peacetime. Yeah, you can apply to Brave. Probably uh, those are. That's a new player friendly place. We're talking about new players that are new to the game, not necessarily uh, players. That well, are I'm new not to even. War, no, I'm right?
1: not talking about new players. I'm just talking about people that were not involved, who have yeah. been on the sidelines, and yeah, now yeah. that now they want to get involved. How do they get involved? New or not? Well, you just go to the war zone and third party, I suppose. If you want, <laughs> if you want to pick a
0: side, then you contact. I, I, yeah, the answer that I got was the answer I was looking for. Well, those are your on-ramps for new recruits and stuff. But if you were, if you have your own group already, you just kind of want to play in this arena, you normally would just go down there and pick people off if you could. Stragglers from fleets is usually a good, uh, easy target, right? Because as a fleet moves, they always leave like three or four guys behind that miss the last instruction and you can catch them and kill them. And normally if it's important and the fleet's in a rush, they won't turn around and save them. Actually, not normally, but that's the exception. Normally they will come back and try to try to defend their guys, because they don't, they don't want that reputation of leaving guys behind. Uh, there's that kind of stuff. There's also just gate camping, You know, if you have a group already that exists. If you're a new player and you want to get involved, because I think you were asking that for new players, yes, Horde and uh, okay. maybe Karma Fleet.
1: I, I would say that probably anybody who wants to get involved could at least begin by reaching out to those, those groups' leadership and begin the, uh, the process if you want to.
0: You know, you bring up a good question, because how do you get in touch with a group that you don't know? Well, let's go and look at .land Eve, right? And I'm just, you can use in-game tools for this, but we'll just use this since we have a browser here. But if you go to any group, like Nulsechnia, uh and you hit their overview, uh, I guess maybe you have to do this on a corporate level. So go to a corporation.
2: Yeah, it's uh, usually on corporation level. Yeah. And- Look and at, if you oh, if ahead. you want to join a corporation other than the non-selective take everyone ones like uh main horde or brave uh then you can check a lot of uh, the a lot of the corporations that have recruitment ads and talk to them to, on the whatever discord server they link to talk to them about joining. Yeah. Well, let's or, say
0: Let's say I wanted to get involved with something that Nalseknia Schulpin was involved with, right? So I would look here and see like, oh, I have Revica. I have heard of Revica. I want to, I want to see if I can get in with them. Uh, and, and then I'll be involved in a lot of this stuff. And usually right here, they'll have contact information. Now, this is in the game as well, but it's also on Dotland. And so you. they make it even easier. Here they have a recruitment channel. So you can just join that channel, in this case, Revica. And uh, you basically, that's where you go to contact them. So they're giving you a way in and a lot of corporations have this. Now let's go to a corporation like Burn Eden. Although they are recruiting, they're a long time, uh, they're a very old and uh, powerful corporation. They probably wouldn't recruit, uh, but it says here for recruitment, contact these guys specifically. They'll tell you, by the way, if you contact them, you need to have like over 100 million SP or something like that. But let's look at Evolution. Which corporation is this? It's Burned Eden.
2: Yeah, I saw a recruitment ad a couple of weeks ago and they actually looked like they're, they're a lot more, they're, their standards aren't as high as I ex- expected, but I'm sure the unofficial standards are they only recruit the best of the best.
0: Yeah. And a group like Evolution is historic, you know, they'll just say, nothing (laughs) like just there's no recruitment channel for them yeah they basically Uh, say uh, if you cannot adapt uh uh, those who cannot adapt become victims of evolution and that's it like that's they don't have anything else for you
2: yeah evolution and a couple other nc corps like shiva are invitation only
0: well let me look up shiva real quick shiva Mm -hmm. is a storied corporation as well it's also the home of uh, into the spar uh, one of the tournament guys there he is and uh, killer b of course right it's a german mostly corp but they do have recruitment contacts but again they don't want uh, they don't make it public because it's right here invitation only so um, literally these are the groups you can't really just get into they have to get to know you first and uh that's just how it used to be in EVE Online. It still is in some circles. Okay, but I like that question. Ashrathi gave us a chance to say, "What are the on-ramps to this war? You know, how do I get involved?"
2: And if you've been flying around doing a lot of stuff that you know people, you can get yourself into a corp that uh, t- is vouch requires a vouch uh, if one of those people will say that you're competent and trustworthy. so?
0: Yeah and some places take two vouches and a person can't vouch unless you've been there at least in dice right uh a destructive influence you can't vouch unless you've been in the corp for 6 months uh, that kind of they have these little rules what they're trying to do is minimize uh low effort low effort spies there's always spies that really play a long game they'll cultivate a personality that they mean to use as a spy, and they'll do that for six months to a year and it's really funny because people like uh, Elise Randolph you know when he does spies i don't know if he still does this, but he'll develop like 20, 30 of them I mean he develops a lot a dozen characters that are new and he'll start to raise them, knowing that they'll have he'll have opportunities to use them later uh, but but he's kind of growing his a historical record to make it look like a, you know, an actual player, as opposed to somebody creates a character and then I, throws it
1: into a court. I'm going to hijack this for just a second, yeah, yeah, too, yeah. because th- this is actually really, well, this dovetails into something that I recommend all the time, which is a practice that I call growing blank clones, right? If you use your buddy code, and you can use your main's buddy code to buddy code your alt... You know, so to spawn up a new account, you get one million skill points for free for that character, right? But that one million skill points is applied to the account, and you have to then use the redemption window to redeem it to a specific character. Which means it's not part of any given character until it is redeemed. So what you can do is you can you can actually begin to train alphas on that account, uh, one at a time, obviously. Um, up to 5 million skill points. And I recommend training what, uh, what I call the magic 14, uh, which would be the 14 skills that are useful no matter what. Oh, gosh, my son has something to say. Hold on one second. Um, <laughs> the goal point. there is that if you, if you need to, you end up with uh, uh, upwards uh, up to three different characters on an account, but really one, uh, that has f- one, 5 million allocated skill points that are useful no matter what ship you fly and then 1 million unallocated SP that could then be applied to whatever you want to basically make that character into whatever you want whenever you want and so you you begin the process of growing like 10 or 12 of these and within five to seven months um, you will have a bank of clones to use for whatever you need
2: yeah, and I know that Villy does that with his alts too. They all start embedded in some other alliance and then they, once he's done with spying on them, he brings them into test. Like if you look at any of his the obvious Villy alts that are in his corp with his usual character clothing, they're they have various different corp histories.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you need to mix it up. You need to make them, you may need to make their resume look real instead of like, hey, this guy only belonged to, you know, he knows too much to, to belong to this uh, sort of thing.
1: Right. But a lot of the times what you do is you just, you, you put in a little bit of attention, get a guy into a corp, and then just kind of stick him in. And there's a lot of corps that you can just kind of leave a character in. And then when, when something's happening, I, I'll even admit to it as, a, as an alliance leader myself, like when there's a problem with somebody, the first thing I'm going to do is look at his history to see how long he's been in the corp. So if you have some, once you if you just sit around for like four or five months, you're going you're going to psychologically gain a level of trust because it become like you basically, if nothing else, you you no longer present that red flag if that makes sense, um, and and ultimately, especially if the alliance has or a corp has more than a hundred people, uh, chances are you'll be able to just, you know. Uh, fade into the faces with that character yeah
0: anyway ta- too taxing for me i don't like the spy game it's way too much way too much gaming uh okay well let's one go one of on. the
2: things about va- well, Let's go, on. go
0: ahead and finish and then we'll go on
2: is that uh, the re- reason why they're effective at weeding out spies is that vouching someone usually means that you agree to be removed from the corp if this turns out to be a spy
0: yeah uh I don't know if you agree to it, but it's definitely going to make you look bad. Uh, so you got to be really, really sure about the people you're putting in. Uh, you can't just talk to someone for a couple of days and say, you sound good. Jump in. Okay. Uh, non-war news. Triumvirate and Dark Side of the Eclipse. What can you tell us about that fight?
2: Well, Dark Side of the Eclipse is... Uh... Uh, group. They're mainly former imp- Fountain renters who started their own alliance in, in Outer Ring NPC space when it stopped being possible to rent Fountain from the initiative in the Bastion back in July and August. Right. Their leader is PJ Hustle, who ran for CSM this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Remember him? Well...
2: And they've been fighting Triumvirate recently. Triumvirate, shortly before the war began, uh, left Panfam, uh, shed all corps besides the lead corp, No Mercy, and uh, uh, started decided to move to... At the time, it was I thought it was Veil of the Silent, but it, they eventually settled in Cloud Ring, and they seemed to be deployed to fight... Uh, Dark side of the eclipse in outer ring.
0: Yeah. Well, this is what this is what was being talked about in TIS today. Is like, hey, Bastion, what are you doing up there in uh, pure blind area? And I'm sure it, maybe it has to do with this, right? Helping them um, because you have Goonswarm Federation on here. I don't know how many fighters were from Goonswarm, but there's Bastion on here as well, fighting. Yeah, Carnaro
2: said that it was one corp that. Uh, is deployed there, uh, and he said that they don't really speak that much English. So let's, I'll look up the Corp game now to see what their language is. Sirmaka
0: or siramansi Here, I'll do it. By the way, you can, let's see, see the alliance, or sorry, the corporation.
2: Oh, it looks like they're Ukrainian. Interesting.
0: Well, they did that so much it blew up. I accidentally closed that tab. Okay. Well, yeah.
2: hey, anyway, yeah, this so car looks there. like it's Ukrainian.
0: All right. So that is Triumvirate uh, duking it out up here in Outer Ring. That's actually above Fountain. I used to live in Outer Ring, actually. Outer Ring is known as NPC space because that is where Outer Ring excavations are. And those are the ones that build most of the mining ships. And uh, some of the faction mining uh, gear is from up
1: there. Uh, or stands for Outer Ring Excavations, which is uh, a corporation created by uh, a mogul, a galente mogul, years back, who created found a. I think it was a big spodmain deposit. It was. Uh, it was.
2: I I forget what the mineral was, but uh, it was one of the ones that can't be found in Nullsec anymore because it's only in sec.
1: Yeah, it's not. It was Noxium. That was the mineral. But I thought it was SpodMane was the ore but I, I don't remember exactly let's
0: ask dr spod he's in the audience today <laughs> <laughs> all right okay yeah, uh-huh. actually
1: here it is ready before the discovery of noxium changed the way the industry functioned the outer ring was considered nothing more than an average parcel of space that's why the outer ring excavations was able to get their start here mining the low-end ores while brawling unlawful space or while braving unlawful space but once the process for reti- refining Noxium was discovered, the Outer Ring became a gold mine. Outer Ring excavations quickly became leaders in the field of asteroid mining. Of course, such wealth always brings challenges. For decades, ore called Mortis Legion, their closest allies. Their highly trained and proficient mercenaries patrolled the Outer Ring for troublemakers, focusing on particular for the Serpentis, who made regular raids into the area. The Serpentis had the last lap, though, when they bought a majority share in ore. Now the Serpentis prowled the space lanes and the Outer Ring virtually unopposed. Update to that. Uh, Except for when Upwell was formed, Upwell was created by the former CEO of Or uh, Yanni, and one of the first things that they did when they created out Upwell was bought back Or. So now Or is up, owned by Upwell, and sent the uh, the Mortis Legion to go blow up all of the serpents that they could find, which was the Shadow of the Serpent event, and then later on the Frostline event from that year. So. Uh, the story goes on from this nice anyway, piece of, nice piece. Of,
0: no nice piece of information didn't know that that's that's great and i like what you did you just used the uh, in-game info channel to get the answer which is something you want to know about lore your first stop should be in-game info check description on an object that you're looking at and you'll get a lot of info
2: yeah because- it's very useful because of that thing that makes uh, outer ring important in the lore i think they should add noxium ores
1: to outer ring i agree and and they did say that they one of the things that they mentioned was that they want to start giving like different regions, regions potentially bonuses that would make them uniquely interesting and so it'd be interesting if uh if outer ring becomes the only region of Nullsec that has noxium for example wild okay
0: um that, no, that was a great piece of inf- a little bit of history. And I'm glad you could update that. Uh, and so we figured out they're Ukrainian. There, There's the tabs. That's where they went. So OK, let's move on to Oh, this year in EVE Online. I guess that went out by CCP, right? They do that at the end of every year?
2: Yeah, it's a year in review video. It only covers one the character that you log into it for this year, unlike all the characters that The game's determined to be your alts like last year's was?
1: Right. So last year was the first year that we got this this year and year. Previously, in previous years, what they did was they released a certain way of the API. So that way, certain third-party developers would be able to, like, showcase your statistics via API on their various websites. And that was really cool a couple of times. But then last year, they really upped the ante, and they sent everyone individualized videos Based on your character and however many alts that you had, and it even said like how many alts that you thought, which a lot of people thought was hilarious because of whether or not CCB got it right or wrong, um, and then tells you a bunch of other statistics: how many kills you got, how much mine, more you've mined, how many systems you've jumped. This year, uh, as as he pointed out, it's been changed slightly. So now you log in, and. So you get it for that character. And it's only that character. They don't try to like merge multiple characters together. But the cool thing about this one is you can actually specify multiple categories that you're interested in. So rather than it trying to automatically detect what you might what might be interesting to your character, you specify what you want in the video. And then it tells you not only what your stats are from that, but also what percent that you had, like your uh, of all of the, you know, what percentile that puts you in in the player base in the player
0: base compared to everybody else
1: yeah so some of my stats were really i was really proud of uh some of my stats i was sort of depressed with you know being in the like one (laughs) percent most distance traveled or something like that i was like oh god
0: how can (laughs) i be in the top six percent of lore how is that possible
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but um I, I don't know about you guys. There's one that stood out to me as being really odd. I've heard a couple people mention that they don't think that some of the stats were correct. I it told me that I only had one relic site last year. That, I mean, it's possible, but I, I don't want to believe that. Yeah. Does, it, does it, is anybody else? Uh, does anybody else have any questions about the statistics that you guys got?
0: I have heard other people say that uh, something didn't smell right with their statistics, but um, they were pretty happy. So, I mean, the takeaway here is you can create your own video. How do you
1: do it?
2: There's uh, a link in the launcher, I think.
1: Yep. Yeah, there. I have it advertised in the launcher, and they've emailed or it's emailed. They they sent it to your uh your account's like default email address. Um, it is, and if you just go to like the news for Eve Online, it's called your e year in Eve.
0: Oh, here it we can is. also link
1: it. We can link it in the chat.
0: All right. Well, this guy's this guy's toasting you. Uh, that's kind of nice.
1: Yes. Um, it is. Somebody somebody asked me if I didn't mind. I mind on my alt. Thanks. All right. So uh, so that happened,
0: and you should do that. That's fun. End of the year thing. It's kind of interesting. What's the psychology as far as gaming goes with this uh, kind of service? Ash.
1: Well. So, so not to like get too down into the weeds, but there's this concept called Bartle's taxonomy, which effectively defines the four different kinds of player motivation that ends up happening in these kinds of games, and that would be explorers, uh, achievers, killers, and socializers. Uh, And in this case, this seems to very much focus on the achiever aspect of that of that drive. So this is, you know, everybody likes to be told how awesome they were, and everybody likes to be told. You know what what a grand scope of things were. and 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 the God honest truth is is that this has been a long year. So chances are for most people that experience this video, they're going to be hopefully reminded of how much they've really done this year. Um, and uh, or if and I've actually seen several people who were. Uh, were, like less than like even a couple months old or not the full year, and still very proud of the progress that they were able to make during that year. And so this really is an opportunity to feel like um, and, well, to another piece of it is like one of the things that's really cool about Eve is that we as players get showcased a lot, either that either that's through uh, in-game events or lore items or, uh, you know, however else, like CCP recognizes us, they see us. And that's something that a lot of people really strive for. And there's like a lot of people in the lore community that are very proud of being recognized by CCP. There's other people that are very bitter when they're not recognized by CCP. <laughs> and this gives, this gives everyone a little bit of an opportunity to feel like they've gotten a personalized pat on the back and uh, for them to share it around and be proud of what they've done. Or just laugh at CCP for their inability to actually keep track of what you're doing. One of the two.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's really interesting because one of the objects of their development has been to show a pilot's individual contribution during combat. That's been one of their development ideals. And that's usually much easier to see when you're not part of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people when you're in a small gang. But in this case, this is like the same concept. Let's let's show you your actual contributions to the game in general
1: And it seems to follow that pattern of thinking. Right. And to avoid white knighting completely, I would also like to throw out there that uh, there is a bit of an interesting aspect to this, which is that it requires you to have an Omega account at this time, Hmm. Um, which means if your account has lapsed, you don't get to make it for yourself. And this actually reminds me of something that happened at the beginning of Echoes this month, which was that I got a notification that said, hey, uh, you didn't get these rewards from your daily logins last month. You can get them now, but only if you sub for a month. And I was already subbed, so I actually had to buy another month at that time in order to access these rewards that I'm pretty sure might not have even existed before this uh, message was sent to me. So, whether or not you what, however you think about this kind of strategy uh, as far as marketing and business goes, it does seem like they continue to experiment with additional ways of making Omega be valuable other than it's just its in-game power.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's this year in Eve. Check that out. It's either in your email box or you can find it off the launcher. Okay. Faction War update. And wow, this is a big, big surprising series of events. Yesterday we found out, or actually it was a couple days ago that uh pen is out or Wang's uh, was Folding, they basically said uh didn't have time to do it right so they're not going to do it they're going to keep the guy keep the name uh alive for that alliance but uh only for tournament play which is what they were formed for in the first place but there's a lot more news on this front ashtarathy what's going on
1: in uh galente oh. militia this is
0: this is <laughs> gonna be
1: a longer story uh okay and also i okay i these are all people that I know, uh-huh. but it's a situation that I haven't really been aware of, like intimately paying attention to for the last like year or so. So if I get details wrong, you know whatever, uh, I'm sorry. I did uh, reach out to Jules and uh, uh, which Juliana Soder, the head of GMBA, and uh, several other people to try to make sure that I had a firm grasp of what was happening. Um, but basically, the short of it is is that, Oh, look, faction warfare died again. Um, ever since really the beginning of Citadels, there's been a cascade of kind of events that have led to the overall winding down of faction warfare uh, when it comes to organizations that are interested in continuing to actually fight over the objectives of faction warfare. And as a result of that, uh, we. In, over time, we we ended up with basically a few people, few organizations that still stayed together and stayed in the war zone for almost exclusively RP reasons. Places like uh, you know GMVA, one of the oldest alliances. Or well, sorry, GMVA has been in faction warfare since before alliances were allowed to be in faction warfare. Um, It was uh, the Valor Accords. It was created to try to unify the Galente Faction Warfare uh, group under one banner. Uh, That was what it was originally designed for. So
0: Mm -hmm. it's, I'm sorry, it's not an alliance, it's a coalition of sorts. It's an alliance. It's it's an alliance. Okay.
1: The Alliance Valor Accords was created in an attempt to pull together the disparate forces of the Galente Militia in 2009 I want to say, maybe even a little bit before that, uh, into one cohesive force. That's why it's called the Valor Accords. That's what GMVA is Galente Militia Valor Accords. Uh, The Valor Accords, Valor being uh, one of the key systems, Systems. uh, uh, it is the uh, headquarters of the current Galente. you know, government. So the idea was is that the various different members of the militia gathered together in Valor and had a meeting and came together under one alliance and GMVA was made. Uh, they've never really hundred percent like lived up to or been that ideal um, you know, in a way in an odd way, that's kind of what Fedup was originally sort of designed to be too. Um, but my point is is that GMVA and Juliana Soder have been. The longest standing RP rock solid in the war zone doing Galente militia stuff, uh, predating the Inferno changes.
2: Yeah, Soder ran for president of the Galente Federation.
1: Soder, yeah, Soder ran for the president of the Galente Federation and was allowed to by CCP because everybody recognized how much he has been part of the Galente uh, lore and community for over a decade. Uh, it's actually uh, shocking how often, when I'm doing like some research as to what was going on in the lore like eight, 10 years ago, that I run into Juliana Soders' posting. Um, so what we have here is Snuff, who gained a whole bunch of strength during uh, the original World War B, comes back into the war zone and begins to oppress everybody in the area and starts to cause more and more groups to collapse or move out. We see, you know, Templars leave. We see. Fed up leave. We see a lot of other groups like that. Um, and But GMVA, uh, well, let me take a step. Uh, Wangs, which was uh, our draw, was just one of the basic groups of Galente militia back in like 2013, 2015 era. And, but unlike the other Galente militia groups, they chose to be under the shadow of snuff, uh, which was a very hard place to bay- be. Most of the rest of us in the militia stayed just out at the edge of jump range basically of snuffed out um to build our bases so ultimately eventually wang's formed an agreement uh, an alliance or a, a, a blue a blue status with uh with snuff and this is what led to the glente civil war uh and gmva and others attacked wang's and tried to force them to leave the militia that said called them traitors to the militia for 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 dealing with the pirate lords and lost uh pretty pretty ha- uh, handedly it was uh unfortunately so it was kind of decided that like well we got to work together otherwise we're going to eradicate each other so ever since then uh even though Wangs has since left the war zone GMVA has remained relatively friendly with Wangs and therefore by that agreement have also remained somewhat protected from snuff so now uh you have Wangs which is uh pen is out Alliance uh, has a av- uh, well, well, now that Snuff has come back, Snuff came back and was decidedly much more antagonistic towards Wangs this time than before that they before they dissolved um, like a year ago, uh, and therefore this has been kind of this pressure to figure out. How these different groups are going to get along, and uh, starting this week, the answer is they're not. So Wangs has basically collapsed. They went from 600 members to 400 members within the last week. All of their structures were reinforced uh, by snuff w- uh, yesterday, I believe it was, and then today, Julianus, GMVA and uh, Trigger Happy have announced that they are leaving the war zone completely, which is. Um, the only thing I can think of is is I hope that c c p sees this as a warning call that's like this content was really, really good, and it could be good again, but it's not working right now, and we've we've done everything we can to make yeah, it work. You meant to say,
2: I am to misbehave, not trigger happy trigger happy is the oh, next door yep.
1: I'm sorry, yep, you're right, you're right, I'm sorry, thank you uh that dyslexia thing with names uh rate, anyway, yeah, so. We really, really, really need something that does two things. One, we need to revitalize Faction Warfare. And the fixes to the mechanics are insufficient, because fixes to the mechanics have rolled out, but without some sort of excitement to it, without CCP making an event related to it, or some sort of a draw to it. the overall interest in like engaging in it has waned over time. Nobody wants to like pick up the the the, the flag of the empires right now, and that's really uh, an engagement problem by CCP. Uh, but secondarily, the real issue here is the fact that supers can project supers and titans can project into LOSEC, which means that in order to be a stable group in LOSEC, you have to actually be a nullset group. Because you can't build supers in, in, in Titans in low sec, so if you want any kind of consistency and have any kind of build up of force, you actually need to build up a whole different area in order to be able to support this area. And so you either do that, which some people have been willing to do, um, or or you're not. And and over time, the people that have been just wanting to get good fights and, and small gang PVP and skirmishing in Losec have had the fun stomped out of them by people who are willing to drop uh, forces that are literally unbuildable in that environment uh, in order to overwhelm them.
0: I kind of agree with Xylex uh, Zenith here where he says, there's no real advantage to being in Faction War and lots of penalties.
1: Well, I mean, there was advantages in a way. And and in a weird way, those ch- advantages haven't changed, but the way that we value them have. Um, you know, I think that, uh, well, first of all, I made a fortune in Faction Warfare. But more importantly, like, my medal, my Faction Warfare medal, like, let me pull it up real quick. Uh, is it history? No, it's character. Wow. If I go what, up what to my decorations, You can't find it in your drawers. Hey, 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 <laughs> calm down, calm down. So... Uh,
0: it's right here in this sock, in this drawer.
1: The wings in of the valor. Basement. The, the okay. fires of liberty have made their inexorable march, led by the brave men and women of the Federal Defense Union. It it is your triumphs that which show the justice and equality f- shall forever reign supreme. Today the Glente Federation presents you with the wings of valor, Jackus Roden. This is because in 2013 uh we conquered 100 percent of the war zone it was the second time it had been, it had happened and so these 19 the 1986 people that were involved in that for that month in galente faction warfare and, and got any lp whatsoever during that time was awarded this medal it's the only time it's been awarded and it probably will never be awarded again that like you can't tell me that this isn't worth it yeah, right like nice. when you look at what, when i pull up the war zone and i see that it's green and not blue that's, what, that's, why I fight, that's why I was in Faction Warfare. That's why I'm so upset that Faction Warfare eventually decayed into just like good fight generation system and not people that really cared about making their side win.
0: Yeah, what's on the board? Good point. Well, all right, so that is uh, what's happened there. Let's move along to the last story. Thanks very much for getting us up to speed on that. I think that's going to be something that unfolds for a little while. And uh, we'll come back and revisit faction war.
1: It is going to be interesting because we know that CCP has really been talking about faction warfare a lot more recently. Which, I mean, two years ago they were like, "We have nothing planned for at least a year." Like, so, like the the change in tone and things is is dramatic. So, it'll be interesting to see: a) if there will be a faction warfare re- uh, changeover or you know rework; b) what will it look like; and c) will it be enough to change the the interest levels of the people involved, because the good news is that the sites that we actually fight over for faction warfare, generally speaking, are designed to suppress the influence of things like titans and capitals and even really battleships or you know other things like that. Um, it's it's simply the idea that like it, it, if you want to have a structure in LOSEC on a long enough timeline, there's going to be overwhelming force knocking on your door. So um, we got to figure out a way to make faction warfare function and be a place where people and organizations can operate in um, that is not able to be suppressed nearly as much by those overwhelming forces.
0: Right. Uh, And we can go into faction warfare and get into all the things that really kind of tripped it up, like structures and how that affected the war zone. Um, But we're just going to steer clear of that today and move on to the next story, which is trigger happy disbanding. Uh, Gregorian, do you have any information on this? If not, I do.
2: Can you say that again?
0: Do you know about Trigger Happy disbanding?
2: I just know what he told you in the TIS public channel.
0: Yeah, I talked to them a little bit afterwards, and there's no word on what the corporations uh, belonging to Trigger Happy are going to do. Uh, but uh, they basically, the leaders who were running it, got busy in real life, and so it's not only an issue of the leader getting. Uh, busy in real life but the successor uh, and that's kind of rare normally the successor can handle it for a while but it just they both um, got busy at the same time and there doesn't seem to be an end to it so let's have a look at what they're yeah so they're going to start going down here there were about 400 a little over 400 characters there and these are pretty good fighters so it's going to be interesting to see where where these guys end up that are going to stick around uh, the actual leaders, though, they needed to take a break. I was asking them yeah. if there was any pressure. Like, was there, uh, you know, they're under, they're under pressure right now because fraternity is coming up north, winter coalition, and they're starting to take over. I mean,
2: uh, I, my corporation had a few moons in Venal that uh, Trigger Happy liked to bash and they'd been also going across the regional gate into uh, renter space, l- rented out by Horde and Fraternity, and I I guess uh, Fraternity was not happy, it looks like.
0: I've also heard, and maybe this is related, that Fraternity is going to charge a lot more than the current landlords uh, so that a renting corporation that might have been renting from a trigger happy type entity right because there's disparate groups there it's not just one group it's a it's uh let's actually take a look at that map uh if you go to talkinginstations.com, we have the uh what are called player influence maps built by Verite, i believe right here under maps and If you look at this you can see that that's interesting goes backwards the um, this way this way no it doesn't help okay there's lots of little nation-states up here Uh, actually if you look at the coalition map it's a little even it's a little easier to see even there Um, this whole white area here is uh, different alliances right so the blues on the blue team that's legacy uh Winter Coalition is the purple. That's PanFam. That's kind of Panda Panda Fam. It's uh it's um wow, Winter Coalition plus Panfam, which is Pandemic Legion and NC Dot. These names are starting to trip me up. Uh so that's the purple team. And right now the big war is basically the purple team and the blue team is attacking the gold team, which is Imperium. So on the board in a big way is this white team here that you can see, and they're not really affiliated with uh, any group. They're kind of neutral states. Um, They haven't picked a side. They don't want a side. They want to stay small and independent, but they also are renting space to people because they can't utilize all that space. So they rent it out to other players. And that's what these big groups do to make money so they can keep fighting with that money and, People who want to just use the land for harvesting can, can pay the military bill for, for them. And that's what you're doing there. But uh, it looks like fraternity, because of the changes that have happened to NPC ratting, uh, the income has dropped significantly for them. But there may be other reasons as well. It seems to be moving um, to the north. It looks like, it's not public. And we asked Noros on the 23rd, when we had him here, we were interviewing him saying, we we heard you're moving to Vale, which is up here in this area. And he said, well, yeah, temporarily, but there's no word on if it's gonna be permanent. But I think there might be a massive adjustment. And I started thinking about why uh, a group like fraternity would move away from deep space where they're safe uh, to come up here where they're closer to empire space, which means they're closer to uh, travel that people could use to attack them. And it's just a little less secure than, than deep space spaces. Uh, and I think it's, it has to do with the future of harvesting in general. Um, you know, Where's is, where is the money-making possibility going to be if not in NullSec? Well, it's low sec is looking really good right now. Uh, and so is empire space. There's money to be made in each of the security strata of EVE Online. And, and that tells you something. I think they're, they're waiting and seeing, and, and they're going to look at multiple avenues of income generation, instead of just sitting back in deep space and owning it and harvesting it. I think that's the future of EVE Online. And you can see that through Horde's, uh, what Horde's doing, and you can see that through what Winter Coalition is doing as well. Now, all that to say, they're moving in to this white area where the neutral states are. And that's where Trigger Happy is. So they are under a considerable amount of pressure. Uh, and I've heard the renters that were renting from these neutral states now have a new landlord, it looks like, in Winter Coalition, and that the prices may go up for the systems they are renting. Not sure about that, but it would be interesting to see how that all plays out.
2: I wonder how much trouble Volta is going to get have, since they're the next big group that has a substantial amount of renters.
0: Yeah, well, it depends on the appetite of Winter Coalition because with numbers and a time zone that is deep in uh, Chinese time zone, that is a a lethal combination, right? So um, we'll we'll have to see. In other words, fraternity is a powerful organization because it not only has a lot of people and a lot of people that have generated a ton of wealth and have a lot of uh, skill points now, but it also has a time zone that it dominates pretty well, not completely, but pretty well. And that is a coveted time zone where things can happen in the middle of the night that they can control. And then you wake up to your stuff reinforced the next morning and you can't do anything about it unless you stay up all night. So interesting
1: stuff. Okay, so uh, thanks for Uh, that. Oh, go ahead. I have a minor correction to the previous story. Oh, great. Uh, I just got uh, in contact with some of the Wangs dudes who clarified a few things for me. But apparently, uh, so Wang's leadership has basically been more or less AFK. So the decision was to, uh, if not disband, at least go down to like a lower key. Uh, Snuff and Wangs have not been friends since Snuff reformed, which uh, I mentioned. And therefore, Snuff basically was like, oh, well, if you're not going to be powerful, we're just going to ref all your stuff. But uh, apparently, It looks like uh, this—the assets are actually going to be transferred to Snuff, more or less peacefully, and we'll see whether or not Wang's uh, this new smaller, kind of more casual Wangs will continue. Yeah, I—I'd also heard
2: uh, that for uh, uh, one of my friends told me that a GMVA was trying to push the Triglavian invasion in order to choke uh, Kaldari space out in order to permanently win the war. And, and they did. And it seems to have been pretty effective.
0: Yeah, because uh, Kaldari space was just Swiss cheesed by the Triglavians. Uh, natural disadvantages. But was there any strategy for that on the Galente side?
1: Well, well uh, the, the way the invasions played out?
0: Well, did Galente kind of help uh, Triglavians wreak havoc on Caldari space? Uh,
1: this was more of just a natural uh, result of the Caldari rats being just incredibly poor at dealing with Triglavian rats. But uh, it is true that Ikoria, uh, the Galente militia, did uh, help with Ikoria turning over. And then once it did go into first liminality, uh, it was just a bloodbath because... After like a decade of the Caldari using it as a beachhead, um, they they were very thirsty for what they could get out of that. But uh, outside of that, um, they, like obviously, uh, what was it? Uh, the one that everybody cares about. Oh, Nyarja. Narsha. When Nyarja yeah. got under attack, I think there was some interest. But other than that, most of the most of the guys that were in faction warfare see themselves as low sec PVPers and didn't want to really be bothered too much with the invasions at the time.
2: Yeah, I, I was. This friend did send me a lot of, a few screenshots of Juliana Soder uh, saying that he was pushing to break faction warfare to save it, is what he said.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Well, in any case, it did play out. And when Poshvin was created by Triglavians, it took a lot of Kaldari space with it. So Kaldari is uh, permanently memed or changed. Uh, I don't think I wanted to say memed. I wanted to say maimed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Memed memed uh, too, but. (laughs) To dig into it just a little bit, um, the rats for each of the empires were based off of the base T2 resist profile for that empire. So as it turns out, the Kaldari, because they use shields, uh, shields have a base EM resist of zero. And uh, the Mimitar, who are also shields, their enemy race is the Amar, whose primary weapons damage is EM. And each race's T2 tank is designed to tank against their enemy empire's damage type. So this means that Mimitar shields have a really good res- uh, EM resistance in their shields. Uh, uh, so the, ba- uh, for instance, the uh, um, Scimitar yeah, has really good EM uh, uh resist comparatively at least you didn't Um, say
0: skimitar after all that pause
1: (laughs) but you said it wrong. well i I wanted to say i wanted to say basilisk but then i realized i was going down the what i meant to say with that is so the basilisks have a high uh e a thermal resistance which is why we like to use them against the trig uh because trig generally use uh thermal and explode uh or yeah thermal and explosive damage but uh Here's where it gets t- really interesting. So the Triglavians have the missiles that do burst damage, and that burst damage is EM and kinetic. Which means if the Caldari rats have zero percent EM resistance, and the Triglavians burst damage dealers do predominantly EM and kinetic, it means that the Triglavian rats can cut through the uh, the Triglavian sorry the Triglavian rats can cut through the Caldari rats very very easily. Meanwhile, the Caldari's ability to jam things uh while will stop the thing that they're jamming it doesn't stop secondary effects very easily and so it just isn't as effective in dismantling the triglavians meanwhile if you look at the mr you have uh energy neutralization and tracking disruption which both of those are extremely effective against the triglavians and so the mr like even with the invasion with uh, pro triglavian forces fighting on on behalf of the MR and almost nobody resisting it it was very difficult to push any MR system meanwhile Kaldari systems even just left to their own devices would often fall to the Triglavians uh, just by almost by default this was rebalanced about halfway through and they were given a buff to their uh, EM resistances but it was still pretty low and the trig still continued to be very effective at killing them right
0: all right, Gregorin supplied us with that Juliana Soder comment, where he effectively says, "I intend the effect I intend is for CCP to delete Faction War. So by by saving it, he means getting rid of Faction War.
1: I I mean, I can only assume that to replace it, right? Because that's part of the problem is is that when we talk about what to do about faction warfare. We're really caught up in the mechanics of the way it is. We talk about like what mechanic we want to change, rather than what are the goals of a kind of a playstyle like faction warfare and whether or not the mechanics of faction warfare as they are match those at all. It may not be a matter of, you know, changing the way plexes work or changing the way that tether works. It may be a complete reimagining of what it means to work for a militia in, uh, in. A low security space in order to fight over territory, in in, in potentially as dramatic as as uh, any sovereignty change or whatever, where where the new uh, the new implementation has nothing to do with the original one. Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. So more on faction war later, and we can talk about some of the ways to improve it. But I get your point, and that is, uh, you want faction war, you just don't want it the way it is now because it's it's kind of broken.
1: Um, Well, people want to be able to work for one of the empires, right? Like, I mean, not everybody does, but there are, there are lots of people that like see the Galente or see the Mimitar and they, or they, they, they've been, they've chose a race in the beginning and they're like, well, I chose Mimitar. I want to be pro Mimitar. That's what I decided. I was a good little Mimitar boy. So if there's an opportunity to sign up and fight for the Mimitar, they're going to want to. And the pro- that's the that's really where it breaks down, where the reality of faction warfare doesn't really play into the fantasy of why somebody might get into faction warfare. Right. And that's actually a big piece of this is that we now have these entities that have been in faction warfare for so long that most by and large they've kind of given up on the whole like war zone thing. Like they're over the plexing mechanics. They're they're not mm-hmm. like they've done this for years, but they're still like proud of their the name, and so they fight and they use this area for for good conflict and all that stuff. But you need new blood who can see this with new interest and and see the King of the Hill mechanics and see the, the the challenges that await them and get excited by that.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully there's some work done there. So I guess that's what Sodor is uh, after. Okay. Let's hope. Our last story for the day is 47 kills in a magnet.
1: Yeah, so this is another one of those great examples of uh, this uh, event and kind of the really great things that have come out of this. And I just found this right before... Tonight or the we went on the air, but basically there's a dude in a magnate that's just running around and killing explorers, uh in in these metaliminal in the winter storms, and uh so he's gotten 47 kills in the last few weeks or or like since this storm has started, uh in only magnates, so this means that he can uh, scan down and uh, the other so the 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 hacking sites. Are relatively difficult to scan down. They have like a scan strength requirement of like ninety, and so a lot, uh, a lot of explorers. Like if you are able to scan it, you can. You're kind of protected because only people that have that much scan strength can get there. But uh, here you see that there's actually been quite a few, quite a number of these uh, guys out in these metaliminal storms, actively hunting, especially explorers because they're the most exposed of the three different uh, roles. So here we have Gatling. Auto cannon in a in a magnate that uses auto cannons. I, I I looked up his loss. He he does yeah. properly use auto cannons in his C2. in his magnate. Yeah. And he's blapping Asteros, man. You can't you can't hate on that, man. That is. Yeah, I just looking.
0: It. it seems like he's picking off Asteros, isn't he?
1: Yep. And that's what I'm saying. So these guys are going into these systems to try to get uh, the easy hacks to get the 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 winter prizes. And uh, pro- chances are he's actually scanning these sites down. And then, like he he basically just keeps them all saved, and then he keeps an eye on them and as soon as he sees anyone going into any of the sites, he just warps them and gets them well, look out
0: it's not all free yep
1: Uh-oh.
2: yeah i I lost an astero last night doing that, but that was to a group of uh, Stratos and some stealth
1: bombers. The big key here is key here is that if you're in a if you're an Astero and you're in this site and you see a magnate land there's a pretty good chance that you're going to think that you've got the upper hand too. So there's probably a couple of these people that didn't run even when they could have.
0: Yeah. So that is an Amarian frigate using uh, its enemies T2 weaponry, uh, the Minmatar weaponry. So that's kind of interesting.
1: Right. Well, this is actually pretty common in Amar ships because Amar are generally known for having really good capacitor to make up for their laser. Uh, But at the same time, a lot of these ships don't have, laser bonuses so uh, and in fact the magnate being oh, the tech 1 equivalent of the uh of the uh, anathema anathema is made by the Khanic Kingdom, which means that it is uh, Missile Launcher-related, which would mean the Magnate is also somewhat mi- Missile Launcher-related, hence the reason why it's kind of unlocked. And so you see this with several ships. The uh, the Abaddon used to be this way, but now it has a damage uh, turret damage bonus. But anytime you see a, uh, a Marian ship without a turret damage bonus, often you'll see an energy turret capacitor bonus, If you see that, chances are somebody's going to be slapping some autocannons on that. Yeah, like the Punisher is a good example.
2: The the Punisher is one that is very common as tackle ship fit with autocannons.
1: Right. Actually, uh, 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 speaking of Faction Warfare, back when we did big attrition fights, I believe we used blaster punishers. Oh, yeah. That's
2: the most uh, DPS you can get from a T1 frigate.
1: It's, they were really good. And they're tough nuts, nuts to crack, too. So it's yeah. really good.
2: Most.
0: I get it. So, Marion ships have good capacitors, uh, but they lack actual weaponry bonuses. So, then just use any kind of weapon because it doesn't
1: matter. You're not getting a weapons bonus from your. Race. Right. The ship's, the ship's designed to have this much draw from its weapons, and then you give it a weapon that doesn't have any draw, and that just gives you more availability for New everything power, else. power, yeah. So energy yeah. allows you to use
0: utility uh, rather than just weaponry.
2: The thing about blaster punishers is that wh- while uh, the Incursus and uh, Merlin have better punish- blaster damage bonuses, it's not enough to make up for only... Three turrets instead of four, like the Punisher has. Right.
0: Oh, cool. All right, so watch out while you're out there. Stay safe. Um, well, we were going to do a little more on uh, talking in stations history. We'll save it for tomorrow. But there's just going to be a lot of actual news going on. As you could see, today was a full day of really big events. Trigger happy going away. Uh, Wang's going away Those are big, big groups. Been around for the last few years, and in, in, in interesting ways they've been around. Uh, You also saw a massive front open up. Uh, I shouldn't say a front opened up, but you see an acceleration on the Delve front and uh, Triumvirate duking it out with uh, former renters from the Bastion area and Fountain, uh, the Fountain area. So there's just a ton going on. And I think it's gonna be that way till the end of the year where we uh, have a show on the 31st to announce who our most influential um, people are. And group, so it's kind of interesting. And then I'll reveal who uh, who I think. Uh, well, maybe I should do that now. Well, no, I'll uh, I'll wait till tomorrow, and we'll we'll talk about most influential tomorrow, and then we'll make announcements on Thursday. Cool, man. Your sweater was such a hit uh, today. See all those comments. I,
1: I've, yeah, I I'm telling you, like this is one of those things that uh, Emma was insistent that we both get ugly Christmas sweaters this year, and. <laughs> Uh, this, is, this is the best decision I made all, uh, all winter, I'm telling you. <laughs> it works.
0: All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out. This was really enjoyable and relaxing. And I uh, want to thank you guys uh, sticking with us and watching us uh, for as long as you did. Thanks. Uh, that's all that we have today. We will be back tomorrow for more Talking in Stations. See you guys. Are we raiding? Yeah, let's raid. You got somebody.
1: Well, uh, Carneros is on CCP. We have done. We have, okay, there you go. Say no more.
2: (laughs) Enjoy. We'll see you guys uh, tomorrow.